Well, good evening, good evening, Shiloh family and friends. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so delighted that you have decided to join us this evening for Bible study. Tonight, I will be speaking from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13, and I will be speaking about spiritual warfare, and the title of the lesson this evening is Preparation for Battle. Muhammad Ali, who referred to himself as the greatest boxer of all time, was an Olympic gold medalist and the first fighter to capture the heavyweight title three times. He prepared for his fights by working out six days a week and would train anywhere between two to 14 weeks ahead of a fight. All his preparation and training paid off when he fought and knocked out Sonny Liston in 1965 in the first round with a right-hand punch to the head, still known today as the Phantom Punch. Well, but spiritual warfare is a different kind of fight. In this fight, we know that Satan is our opponent, but we cannot see him in the physical realm. We cannot defeat him with physical punches. We don't know what strategies or devices he will use in the battle against us. You see, Spirits in the demonic realm don't want you to figure out their approach. But now ladies, I gotta talk to the ladies for a minute. Ladies, I need to warn you, I need to tell you that you're gonna need to bring more than your Vaseline and your sneakers to this fight. Because this kind of fight requires fasting, praying, worshiping and equipping ourselves with the whole armor of God to defeat the fiery dots that we are being attacked with. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not our might, but his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Not one piece or two piece or three pieces, but the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, which is evil and malicious spirits, against the rulers 
of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, back in verse 13, it talks about heavenly places. Heavenly places are the scope, occupants, and location of the battle. Every spiritual blessing is already located in this unseen realm. Every gift that you will receive, every hope that will ever be satisfied has already been deposited in your account, in the spiritual realm. You see, this battle must be fought daily. You can't slack. You have to fight this battle daily. For we are not fighting for victory because Jesus already won the victory at Calvary, but we are fighting from a position of victory against the devil. Someone write in the comic section, someone tell the devil, I will not be defeated. Thank you, Lord, for the victory. In verse 10, it talks a little bit about might. And it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, what is might? And that brings me to my first point here. Might is essential power or force. It is the reserve of strength. God's might works within us when we rely on it and step out to do the work. We have to be willing and rely on the Lord. In verse 10, it talks about power. And that brings me to my second point here. Power. To be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what it references in verse 10. But power, what is power? Power here, where they're talking about, is the exercise of might. And the Lord's might is boundless, which means the reserve of strength is in operation. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. Now, we all know that Satan has an agenda against us. 
We all know that he has an assignment against us. In John 10, chapter 10, verse 10, it tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That his, his only agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. Be careful of false teachers. And that would be another name for the thieves who may claim to offer salvation, but their intentions are not good. We must be careful as false teachers attempt to bypass Jesus and can steal your ability to see the true means of salvation. They bypass Jesus, in other words, they do what they feel that they need to do to get you to do what they want you to do. There's no spirituality involved in it at all. So, we also know that Satan seeks to make Christians ineffective. In other words, he strives to make us incompetent in spiritual battles. And when we are incompetent, incompetence reduces the glory believers give to God. But Psalms 96 and 4 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Let's talk a little bit about Satan's strategy. One of his main tricks is to cause you to miss the goodness of God. I'll say it again. One of his main tricks is to cause you to miss the goodness of God. The goal here is, is for you to complain about what you don't have so you will lose sight of what God has given you. Philippians 4, verses 6 through, and 7, 6 through 7, instructs us how to counteract this scheme. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be in a rush. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
And it says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, there are four stages to Satan's strategy. The first stage of his strategy is desire. And desire is a common word we often associate with lust. When desire or lust manifests itself through illegitimate means, it turns into temptation, giving the potential for sin. James 1, chapter 1, and verse 15 says, Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The second one of Satan's strategies is deception. Satan uses deception to accomplish his agenda of bringing the world under his, his influence and control. He plants an illegitimate or a sinful idea in our minds. And we often heard, whatever controls our minds controls our actions. But in Romans 12, chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? By reading your word daily. Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. So we are thriving every day to have the mind of Christ. We want to be like Christ. The third strategy of Satan's is disobedience. Disobedience brings desire, and desire leads to deception, which then leads to disobedience. When we allow God's will to direct our lives, it equips us with the power to do what he wills us to do. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fourth strategy of Satan is, his strategy is death. Satan's intention in spiritual warfare is to cause us to miss out on the goodness of God, leading us onto a path of destruction. But Romans 6, Chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I've been talking about spiritual warfare here, but you might wonder in your mind, what is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is cosmic conflict waged in the invisible spiritual realm but occurring at the same time in the visible, which is the physical realm. The root of the war is something you cannot see but the effects of the war are clean, clearly seen and felt. The root of the war cannot be seen, but the effects of the war are clearly seen and felt. And I don't know about you, but when I go through my trials and my tribulations, when I'm dealing with my battles, I can surely feel it in my soul, in my mind, in my body. So I have to keep on fighting till I get the victory. In spiritual warfare, Satan tries to deceive you into believing that God is holding out on you and that it is up to you to get God to give you both blessings, and victory. He wants you to think that if you pray more, give more, serve more, sin less, do better, or worship more, maybe God will give you more. But I'm here to tell you that God's timing is not our timing. You see, this tactic shifts the focus from God and what he has already done in the spiritual realm and puts the focus on you and what you need to do in the physical realm. But guess what? God don't need your help. He got this. Colossians 2 and 10 says, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now, spiritual warfare 
is often a battle between choosing to please ourselves or glorify God. Behind every physical disturbance, setback, ailment, or issue we face lies a spiritual root. It is easy to blame the devil when we make bad decisions, but I'm here to tell you, your name isn't Geraldine, and no, the devil did not make you do it. You see, the devil can't possess Christians or force Christians to disobey God. First John chapter four, verse four tells us, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We must be careful when we make our choices. So what is the purpose for spiritual conflict? Spiritual conflict forces us to see our need in God's gracious care and protection in the battle leads us to love him more. Spiritual conflict forces us to see our need, we need Jesus in our life, and God's gracious care, his agape love, and protection in the battle leads us to love him more. There are many symptoms of spiritual warfare, but I have 10 symptoms here I'd like to share with you. One of the first symptoms of spiritual warfare is doubt. That is number one, it is doubt. Hmm, what happens when we doubt? God's promises begin to fade away. You might say, oh, God says that he will make a way out of no way, but maybe in this situation, it really can't be done. The second one is confusion. Confusion. You don't know who you are anymore. You ever been to a place in your life and you often hear people say that, you know, I, I, I just don't know who I am anymore. I, I don't know how I got to this point, and I don't know what my purpose is anymore. That's what confusion is. The third one is distraction. Mm. It's easy to be distracted. distracted. You're not focused on the things of God. Well, I guess I can use if you're a mother and a wife as an example. Uh, you're a wife, you're a mother, you got children, you gotta get the children off to school, you gotta take care of your husband. If the children are in sports, you gotta get them to sports, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And by the end of the day, you are exhausted. So what does that mean that you have been distracted from spending time with God? 
And we need to spend time with God, as I said before, to renew our mind and to have the peace that God wants us to peace, to be in the perfect will of God. The fourth symptom is temptations. And temptations is desires to please the flesh are more appealing. Desires to please the flesh are more appealing. Romans 7 and 18 says, in my flesh nothing good dwells. That speaks for itself right then and there. The fifth symptom is weak faith. Oh, you don't believe it because you cannot see it being done. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Don't lose your faith. The sixth one is loss of hope. Mm unable to see a prosperous future for yourself. What's the use? Why am I even gonna bother to do it? They ain't gonna come to nothing, so why bother? What's the use? Oh, I just give up. Number seven is a lack of peace. Oh, when you have a lack of peace, you're fearful, anxious, and nervous about everything. Can you imagine living without having peace? So many people struggle with this. You're nervous all the time on the inside. Your mind is going 10,000 miles a minute because you're anxious. You're shaking all the time. Oh, no. We need the peace of God in us. And then the eighth one is unusual illnesses. Well, let's see here. You've been healthy all along. Now, all of a sudden, you are battling sicknesses you never experienced or heard of before. Hmm. Well, don't let that disturb you because we know that God is Jehovah Rapha and that he is a God of healing. The ninth symptom is resentment towards God. When you are resented, resentment towards God, you're angry, you betray angry because you may have lost a loved one or you are going through a difficult trial. And sometimes the pain is so unbearable that you do resent God. In our minds, we, we can't understand why we're going through this. So what's the question that we always ask God? God, why, why? Did you allow this to happen to me? But we know that through our trials and our tribulations, 
is where we draw our strength. The tenth, sim tenth symptom is suicidal depression, and that is unbearable sadness and despair. You simply think, I have nothing to live for. Well, I want to talk about the seven pieces of the armor of God. Could God instructs us to put on the whole armor of God. The first piece of equipment is the belt of truth. Truth is the belt that holds the believer's armor together. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Use your belt of truth by starting and ending your day in the Word. Memorize scriptures on the lies that the enemy is allowing you to struggle with. The second piece of equipment is the breastplate of righteousness. Our breastplate is his righteousness. And his righteousness will never fail. Living a right life rooted in God's word is powerful in protecting our heart, killing our flesh, and defeating the enemy. Ephesians 6 and 14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Use the breastplate by identifying righteousness activities in your life that strengthen you and identify unrighteous activities in your life that weaken you. The third piece of the equipment is the gospel of peace. As believers, we have peace in knowing we are secure in what Jesus has done for us. John chapter 14 and verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Use this scripture. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Remind yourself of the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Share your testimonies 
with others and be a living example. The fourth thing is the shield of faith. Trusting in God's power and protection is imperative in remaining steadfast. Take time to remember the promises of God. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will never forsake you. Philippians 4 and 19 says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The fifth element here is the helmet of salvation. The believer's helmet of salvation is the most crucial piece of armor. Without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that enters a believer's life at the moment of salvation, all other armor is useless. Salvation empowers believers to fight. It protects us in our weaknesses. Without salvation, there is no victory. Ephesians 2, chapter 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Not by your own doing, but by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So stand on the conviction of your salvation when you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are going to heaven because of what Christ did for us on the cross. And when you believe that, not even death can defeat you. The sixth thing is the sword of the spirit. Our sword is the word of God. Every other piece of armor protects us against attacks, but God's word, with God's word, we are truly able to fight and defeat all enemies. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, 
for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Arm yourself. Be intentional about reading scripture. When attacked, fight back with the word of God. When beaten down, immerse yourself in the Bible. Even those with great faith are going to have days when they feel like they're barely hanging on. Read and study your word. And the last one is prayer. In prayer, we show our reliance upon God to act and move. Our entire armor is rooted in his strength. So pray when you open your eyes every morning before you do anything else. Go straight into prayer. Pray in, impulsively throughout the day. First Thessalonians chapter five and seven says, pray without ceasing, constantly talking to the Lord all day. And everything, give thanks. Give thanks. God does it because he loves us, not because he has to, but because he loves us. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Have a conversation with God on your knees before you go to bed at night. Tell him what you are thankful for and talk with him about whatever is on your mind. Well, this is the end of our session for tonight. I hope you have enjoyed receiving this message as much as I have enjoyed teaching it. I count it an honor and a privilege to be able to have done it tonight. We are now ready to take up our benevolent offering you know Bishop talks about this is the offering that we take up and that we use to give out to others. Genesis 12 tells us to be blessed to be a blessing. You can donate your offering by Givelify, Cash App, or by mail. We appreciate everything that you donated it has gone to good use, and I ask God to bless you double for your giving. I also want to remind you that tomorrow, tomorrow at one o'clock, please join us for community prayer. Well, I'm going to be able, and the information about the community prayer is on the screen. And now I would like to, as before we leave tonight, I'd like to pray before we leave. So Father God, even now in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you even now for this lesson tonight, God. I thank you, God, that the lesson, God, has been a blessing unto your people, God. 
Father, we thank you even now, God, for this offering, God. We thank you, God, that as soon as we give it, God, that, God, we give it back out into the community, God, to bless others, God. And, Father, I thank you, God, for those who have given, God, and those who receive it, God. Father, we thank you even now. In your son's name, Jesus Christ, we do pray. And as Bishop would say, shalom.